this episode, I speak with Glenn from Phoenix Energy Technology. He is a leader in the smart building space and connected machines industry. He is an IoT innovator and has over 30 years of leadership experience in technology-based businesses. We discuss why stakeholders care about ESG and how the current state of the economy and supply chain impact ESG efforts. We unpick industry challenges and opportunities and gain insight into how technology can help investors, building owners and tenants who are implementing this framework. Hi, Glenn. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Hi, Lindsay. Uh, I appreciate uh, joining your podcast. Thanks so much. And just to introduce you to our listeners, you're the CEO of Phoenix Energy Technologies. You're an IoT innovator and thought leader within the smart building space. And you're passionate about reducing energy costs and emissions to decarbonize buildings. But would you like to start just by telling us a little bit more about yourself and also the aim of Phoenix Energy Technologies? Yes, uh, I'm the CEO of Phoenix Energy Technologies. We're in the business of providing energy management solutions to customers. And our balanced value proposition is around energy consumption reduction, which reduces costs, reduction in the expenses associated with facilities maintenance and repair, And ultimately, when facilities, equipments in buildings, when facility equipment in buildings runs more efficiently, it extends the life of the equipment. And so lower capital expenditures, essentially lowering the number of new pieces of equipment that customers buy. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much. And I'm sure we'll touch on um, some of the aspects that you've just mentioned there throughout the podcast today. Um, But the topic that we're going to be discussing today is why do stakeholders care about ESG? We know it's an important topic and everyone is talking about it at the moment, but there are some fundamental questions that are sometimes missed or glossed over that reveal why it's important and the benefits it can offer to various stakeholders throughout the building. So first of all, I want to understand from your perspective, how does ESG create value for investors, building owners and occupants and whoever else might be using a building? Well, customers, consumers, you know, buy products and services from companies that have ESG goals and initiatives. Employees want to work for companies that have ESG goals and initiatives. Business partners want to do partnerships with companies that have ESG goals and initiatives. And all of these stakeholders improve company performance, company performance, including financial reporting. And in particular, the capital markets, you know, through factors like reduced risk, are really recognizing that the cost of capital is directly linked uh, to ESG processes, ESG goals, and ESG initiatives. And if, you know, your listeners are familiar, there's been some recent studies from the New York uh, University Stern Center for Sustainable Business that appear to drive better financial performance due to these uh, factors, such as the improved risk management and more innovation around ESG. Yeah, great. I think, yeah, you've summarized quite nicely nicely there, but when it becomes a good financial decision, I think that then becomes quite a big driver, doesn't it? So where do you think the pressure comes from to implement these ESG factors? So we know there's different legislation out there, but is there is there any other factors in your opinion that's forcing this change to come now? 
Well, I, I believe that the pressure comes from stakeholders and, and let's uh, anchor on who the stakeholders are. You know, investors, investor activists, customers and consumers are stakeholders. Employees that work for the companies are stakeholders, business partners, uh, and as you said, uh, government regulatory agencies. Uh-huh. And these stakeholders, you know, they're demanding more uh, from the companies to address con- climate change and, you know, doing little or nothing on energy management, which is a, uh, a big part of CO2 greenhouse gas emissions, you know, is no longer an alternative. And so yeah. not only do you have to set goals, but what are you doing about it? Demonstrating credible progress, you know, against those goals. Mm-hmm. You know, shareholders want to buy products. They want to, you know, employees want to work for and investors want to invest companies that are actively managing and addressing, you know, climate change through their ESG initiatives. And in particular, where we fit in at Phoenix Energy Technologies is the CO2 greenhouse gas emissions. And what customers can do is take control uh, of their actions associated with building assets now and show progress towards these initiatives. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so just touching on the people who own the buildings and the people who lease the buildings, what challenges do they face when attempting to comply with the framework? Well, the owners and leasers of buildings, commercial buildings, you know, the balance of a budget allocation uh, that requires an ROI payback with ESG goals and initiatives. You know, at Phoenix Energy Technologies, we're acutely aware of this need to balance ROI payback with ESG goals and initiatives. You know, our solutions uh, generate a three to five times ROI payback, you know, through the value proposition that I stated earlier in the podcast around reduced energy consumption and the price you pay for energy reduced expenses around repair and maintenance, uh, you know, the, the slang term of truck rolls and reduced capex through uh, not having to buy as, as, as many new pieces of equipment to support your buildings. Yeah. Okay. Because I think there are a lot of challenges faced um, by building owners and people who are renting these buildings and even just occupying the buildings. You know, there's a lot of different challenges they encounter on a day-to-day basis. But ESG in particular obviously covers not just the environmental aspect, but the social aspect as well. And they're very important. But I think one challenge that we've seen within the industry in general, and it's still not fully being addressed, although it has improved over the years, is the lack of standardization. So is that a concern when you're speaking with these stakeholders? Is that a challenge that they're encountering when they're trying to implement these ESG best practices. What I do want to cover is the challenges around visibility. So customers, you know, initial challenge in a phased approach in this area of addressing challenges, what is the visibility of what's happening inside the buildings, facility equipment, the assets in terms of their energy usage, in terms of uh, how it's uh, reducing or increasing CO2 emissions, just to get views of what's happening in the buildings. And for our customers, which are typically having hundreds, if not thousands of buildings and tens of thousands of pieces of equipment, that first phase of getting visibility is a challenge to address. And then once you have visibility, 
then it's about the data that comes out of the buildings, the data, accumulating the data, getting insights on the data, analytics on the data. To, and, and, and then once you do that in, in a second phase is what are you going to do about it from a customer perspective? So taking actions uh, for that uh, data that you now have visibility on, data that you now have insights and analytics on. And that's where we come in at Phoenix Energy Technologies to help our customers get that visibility initially by pulling in all the data, making the data common for analytics and insights, and then having a series of web applications to take action to extract not only the return on investment from a financial perspective, but also the reduction in CO2 emissions. Okay. Yeah, so data is, is obviously key in this situation. Um, I think just something to note that we've discussed on the podcast before with a few other guests, it seems to be that we've got a lot of older buildings currently within the market. You know, there's a lot more retrofit projects than there are new builds currently. So you then have sometimes an issue actually accessing that data because you might have older systems that can't communicate with newer systems. So therefore you have these data silos, which can sometimes present a challenge when you're trying to report on ESG. Um, so that's when I think, when I mentioned standardization before, I would like to think as we move forward, we will have that level of standardization so that data can be captured more seamlessly. And like you said, then move through that process and insights can be gained from it. So I think that's a really um, vital thing that needs to change in the industry. Well, thank you for that clarification and a very important point. As you said, it's vital to the industry. Um, very small percentage of buildings are new. And so it's the existing buildings, as you've stated, and, and getting the data and the information out of existing buildings and existing infrastructure. Yeah, definitely. And just moving on slightly now. So I wanted to touch on the current state of the economy. So how does the current state of the economy and the supply chain challenge impact ESG efforts? Are they some further challenges that are impacting the way in which um, investors and various stakeholders are implementing these efforts? And so, you know, as, as we talked, uh, the challenge is balancing uh, the need for return on investment uh, and payback on ESG uh, initiatives in that in the current environment, uh, as you stated uh, so well, uh, the increasing costs uh, of of energy, uh, you know, exponentially in some portions of the world, and so balancing that on ESG investments, um, and as well as the supply chain uh, issues that are out there, so projects uh, need both. It's a balance. And with Phoenix Energy Technologies, we help our customers address that uh, balance because we have payback in our solutions, the three to five X uh, ROI return. And so in an environment where energy costs are increasing, an environment where supply, supply chain costs are increasing at an accelerated base, the ability to have uh, solutions uh, to reduce uh, those accelerating expenses uh, around these important areas and in doing uh, that, getting a good payback, also achieving uh, ESG uh, objectives. So it's a, it's a double benefit for uh, customers and also you know, supports the, uh, the ability to uh, address the other stakeholders in the company's ecosystem. Mm 
Yeah, definitely. And I think like you've just touched on there, like you said, the current energy costs rising, all of a sudden cost becomes a big driver, which is a benefit from the ESG perspective because it creates more urgency. Maybe that urgency wasn't there as much before when the costs were a bit more manageable and energy wasn't as expensive. But now there's that real need to reduce costs and reduce energy so that it's um, benefiting the building owners. Yeah, well said. So the duck curve, if you visualize a duck, um, is uh, is a concept that really has a visual around consumption during a day. So if you're in the heat of the summer, is a good example. Imagine yourself in that time period of you know four to six o'clock in the you know afternoon. And, and perhaps earlier in the day, the consumption is lower earlier in the day and it's much higher uh, on other parts of the day, the, the neck and the head of the duck versus the, the base of the duck. And that neck and head is called the demand. And so this is being exasperated in our current environment where when demand is high, costs are high. And when demand is high, and this is also an impact, renewables are good. Uh, but when renewables aren't available, the wind's not blowing, the sun's not shining, or battery uh, systems have been depleted, um, consumption all goes to the to the grid and goes to uh, power generators. And that consumption happening all at the same time, for this illustrative example between four and six, that's high demand that puts on the on the grid and energy production. And what occurs at that time, as you see in utility bills, energy bills, is the cost goes much higher. So not only is consumption higher as you're heating and cooling your building, so you have higher costs on consumption, the price you're paying or time of use is high. And this is called the demand. From an ESG perspective, what that also does is that's the dirtiest power that gets generated at that moment in time because utilities, energy producers, go to their uh, to product, produce the energy in high volumes and they will go to the old sources such as coal, natural gas, and in some cases actually petroleum to get that power. So not only do we have a scenario where uh, you know it's dirtier power, dirt, more CO2 emissions in the atmosphere, it's costlier against bottom line. And at yeah. Phoenix Energy Technologies, we have a product, a module specifically designed uh, to reduce uh, consumption and time of use during this duck curve area uh, called demand manager to reduce not only the consumption amount that's being used for prices, but also the price that's being paid uh, by customers. And that's particularly evident as, as we see uh, the cost of energy increasing in this inflationary environment and the weather patterns that we're seeing across the world. Brilliant. Well, thank you for explaining that. It's a really interesting concept. Um, and just sticking on that idea of cost for a second, we've just discussed how the increase in energy costs has impacted the industry and the action that that's caused people to take. So we know that cost is a big driver. But how have you seen cost reductions be positively affected by improved energy efficiency and carbon reduction? So have you got any examples or case studies you could share with us to illustrate how implementing these best practices can not only reduce the energy consumption from an environmental perspective, but can also benefit people in their pockets on the bottom line in terms of cost? 
Yeah, so uh, this is an insightful question uh, to provide some uh, examples on energy efficiency. Uh, I may come back to the duck curve as an extreme example. Uh, in, in the industry, we refer to these energy efficiency projects or strategies as energy conservation measures, an acronym ECM. So an ECM energy efficiency may be something as basic as the air outside of the building versus inside the building is at a level where it makes sense to bring in more outside air and circulate it, and hence using less heating and air conditioning associated with inside the building, reducing consumption, and depending on the time of day, reducing the price you're paying for energy as an example. Another example in the demand management area uh, is something called load cycling. And so a building that has multiple uh, heating and air conditioning units on the roof having a strategy that cycles load cycling, turning a unit on, turning it off, uh, uh, moving the, uh, the load around amongst multiple units can reduce uh, the, the consumption of the heating and air conditioning units and hence uh, reduce uh, the KWH uh, costs and also the price you're paying. So load cycling is another example. And then simply letting the temperature drift uh, an example. So, you know, imagine yourself inside a building, you're working in the building, you're a consumer in the store, and you're wandering around and the temperature drifts up, uh, let's say a half a degree or a degree, not managed, not necessarily noticeable. And so comfort doesn't get impacted. But for that period of time, a very short period of time, especially during the peak of the duck curve, can have a significant effect on consumption and price paid uh, for energy. So, you know, three, three examples, outside air being circulated into the inside, you know, load cycling of the, of the generation of HVAC units and temperature drift. Um, is that helpful? Yeah, that's great. Thank you very much. And lastly, I just wanted to loop back onto something else that we discussed um, in the middle of the podcast. So we talked about how new construction is slowing down and obviously the bulk of the market is a retrofit market and there are a lot of buildings that need to be upgraded and their energy efficiency improved. Um, and we've also seen how ESG efforts have therefore ramped up as a result of that. So in your opinion, do you think that there are more opportunities than challenges in the market at the moment? Yes, I believe there are more opportunities than challenges. As you've stated, um, a majority of buildings are existing buildings. A very small percentage of new buildings uh, are brought in that are designed for energy efficiency. Having said that, existing buildings have a tremendous opportunity to be retrofitted for energy efficiency and lowering CO2 gas emissions uh, by doing that retrofitting. And in our world, uh, Phoenix Energy Technologies, which doesn't require uh, retrofitting of buildings in terms of new pieces of hardware, new HVAC units, new building management systems, new networking. We don't require that. Uh, it's a layer on top of existing infrastructure. Customers can get energy efficiency, lowered costs, you know, day one immediately. So there's a tremendous opportunity, you know, across the world to put in um, uh, systems on existing infrastructure and get the ROI required for improving financial performance in companies, and at the same time supporting ESG goals, in particular CO2 gas reduction emission goals and initiatives. Brilliant. 
Well, thank you so much. It's been really great getting your insight today and uh, learning a little bit more about the technology that you have at Phoenix Energy Technologies and also just getting a, a good understanding of how that impacts the different stakeholders in the building. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I appreciate being on your podcast.